Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Friday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Thursday. Um, we we sort of forgotten about the prisons, have we? With the uh, family visits, person-to-person visits. Are they happening, not happening, now that all the restrictions are gone? Or do we just not care about prisoners? Uh, speed limits. Councils love to reduce them, but it comes at a cost, apparently. Who knew? Um, we'll, Kate will have a little word on the royals and just how much like us they are and uh, Marcus is fascinated by the queues but before any of that uh, the teacher shortage uh, yet another plan to try and fix it will it work but what would it take to get you back into teaching if you are one of those teachers who walked away from the classroom and I, I'm willing to, to bet that it wasn't so much the money it was the fact that you were fed up that you couldn't do the job you believed in passionately, you couldn't help the kids, that you believed deserved the best of everything and all you could give at best was a B minus. What would it take to get you back into teaching? So that's addressed to our teaching community. And as a parent, what impact did COVID have on your child's education? Did your child respond better to working at home? Were you able to pick up any kind of deficiencies in their learning? If their learning impacted was impacted by COVID, what does your child need to play catch up? What do they need to be where they should be, to be where they would have been had COVID and the closure of classrooms not disrupted their education? What impact did the closure of schools have on your child And what do they need to be achieving to their capabilities? To be, to use that oft-quoted phrase, the best that they can be. You just turn everything into a video game, don't you? Surely that's the answer. Just turn it all into a video game. Um, And then, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, economics, biology... Coding. Probably tricky to turn coding into a video game. Don't know if that's really relevant. That was what I'd do, anyway. Uh, right. Now, uh, it turns out that the, the sort of the in-person prison visits haven't really been reinstated, even though the COVID restrictions have been lifted. Which is a bit hard for the prisoners, isn't it? Nobody cares about prisoners, though, do they? I've visited people that I've known, acquaintances in prison. It's an awful place. It's awful, awful, awful beyond belief. And I get people say to me all the time, oh, it's a, it's a holiday camp, Simon. I say, you've been? Oh, no. Well, go and have a look, because I was terrified as a visitor. I went in a number of times. And family give you hope. If you see a family member, there's hope. You see that person, you go, I'm going to get out one day. Now, they're not always like that, and maybe I'm living in la-la land. But there's hope when you see family. Well, so a couple of things there. I mean, obviously, there's no doubt that Simon Barnett is living in La La Land. Um, I think I heard the other day that him and James both live in the same neighbourhood. That's weird, isn't it? So, La La Land, I think it's one of the new subdivisions in Christchurch. Right. Um, and, and he knows heaps of prisoners as well. So that's interesting. Um, I do agree with everything else that he said, though. Um, But I'm not going to let the opportunity to take the piss. 
pass me by, even though I agree with everything that he said. It's important. Uh, now, uh, and so is uh, making sure that we can't drive faster than about 22 kilometres an hour in the city. Uh, they've certainly taken steps to make sure that's going to happen in Wellington, but it's going to cost like 40-odd million dollars to do it for some reason. So I'm sure that's well worth it. So how much is this going to cost the economy in slowing down? So look, just first of all to clarify that we haven't decided to do this. Basically we've decided in principle to get some further work done to develop a plan which will then be consulted on. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look at it in a bit more detail at the economic impacts, but it's $8 million to save some lives and to stop some injuries and to make the city more dynamic and more and have better amenity. So it's a good hey, spend. Did you say $8 million? Yes. $8 million for so, what? For, so um, some of it, a small amount of it is on signage. Um, there's other money that's needed for infrastructure work to, to slow traffic down. I'm looking at a figure of 40, $45 million. No, no, no. That's just the, uh, the when you do the benefit cost, uh, it is not $44 million. That would be an enormous amount of money to spend. Well, it says the costs would include $1.1 million in signage, $7.7 million for implementation. So what, that's that's... Is that part of the road calming? Is it the ro- the implementation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's right. But it's not. We're not spending forty four million dollars on this. So one point one million dollars in signage, plus eighteen point five million dollars in road calming, plus seventeen point four million dollars in maintenance. That's forty four million dollars. Either sometime, but no, that that is part of the benefit cost ratio. Isn't that just that's not part of a, a cost benefit ratio? That's just an outright cost. No, not, that's not what I understood at all. That's not what we were told. The cost is $8 million. That's not what we were told. Wow. Go Wellington. Oh, no, actually, don't go Wellington. Slow down, Wellington. Slow down, Wellington. You move too fast. You've got to make the morning last. Right, um, now, isn't it great to watch the Royals and how much like us they are over the last week or so? But after sitting back down, I was then aghast when a second VIP hopped on, and that was, in fact, the VIP we'd been moved for, the real VIP, Prince Charles. He sat right behind us. He had a crew of suited and booted aides with him, and they were carrying paperwork and briefcases and what turned out to be food for the now king as well. He had oat cakes, cheese and chutney, and his own China. Now, I don't want to cast aspersions on a grieving and newly minted king, but this was a man who did not suffer fools. And he seemed very adept at ordering people round. He certainly did not carry the light of foot demeanour or fun vibe that Beckham did. He was definitely different. So while I admire the fact we want to view these people as human and just like us, my experience is they're actually not. When you've grown up in an environment like that of others deferring to you and serving you, and that's all you know... It must be incredibly hard to have to now tailor to the new modern generation desire for everyone to just be human or be humble. You know, the new young royals are more cognizant of this and the optics because they're a social media generation. They're hyper aware of how every glance or word can be interpreted or go viral. Uh, But it actually lends a bit more inauthenticity, I reckon, to how they behave. They're more orchestrated. King Charles is a man in his 70s who's grown up knowing nothing but a royal existence. He's been surrounded by people doing things for him his whole life. He's also just lost his mother, barely a moment to grieve. He's been on this public tour. Uh, He doesn't suffer fools or clearly dodgy pens. He's obviously not aware he's being made into memes, nor does he probably care. So while some might say snapping at AIDS made him look rude, 
it may just be that that's all he knows. I think we're all waiting for William now, aren't we? See, William was out and about chatting with people in Sandringham today, talking about how weird he felt about the whole situation, how it reminded him of when his mum died. He seems a bit more... He doesn't seem to make as much a fuss of everything. Seems to be a fuss for some of these people, doesn't it? Your Charles's and your Harry's and your Andrews. Edward's turned invisible. I saw him the other day and I thought, who's that? Then I remembered that he was a thing. Yeah, I think we're waiting for William. He'll be good. Right, uh, we're going to uh, finish up. Uh, we're still with our eye on uh, London, of course. Uh, certainly Marcus can't look away. I am watching the queue. I'm finding the queue quite compelling. A couple of observations for me from the queue. The people aren't standing that close together. Not many are wearing a puffer jacket. I've never had a puffer jacket, but if I was on that queue, I'd wear one for the night because it's light and you could wear it at night. I'd also probably have one of those, one of those, like, stools that you wear. You've probably seen them on the internet, like they're pairs of pants, but if you actually sit down, they become a seat. I'd have one of those also. Uh, but finding it quite compelling, the footage. But I, what I can't work out, it's 2022. It's 50 years since we put mankind on the moon. Or 50, I don't know if it's that many years. But it might be more than that now. 53 years. Technology has jumped in leaps and bounds. You think they could do a virtual queue. You would think there could be an app you could download and they'd say, okay, you are 48,000th in the queue. You need to be in this fenced off area tomorrow night at 3.27. Wouldn't that be the way to do it? Or is there something about the queue itself that is the reflectiveness that is part of the green? I don't know this. I'm not a queuer. And I wouldn't mind talking about the longest queues you've been in because I don't know what they would be for me. I've never really queued. I'm just trying to think about that. When have I ever queued? I've got some kind of residual memory saying, oh my goodness gracious, this queue's going to go forever. I think probably the worst queues you ever get are at airports. Um, I think Disneyland might be the longest queue. We, and, and we had the passes that you could book in a time and turn back and you go to the head of the queue. We had those passes when we went to Disneyland. That was quite good. There's nothing better than beating somebody in a queue, that's for sure. But um, he's, they, there is a QR code that you can scan and you just get a live stream of the Queen's Coffin. So you don't have to queue at all. So those people are idiots. Wait, waiting nine hours at the moment. Silly people. They should just scan the QR code and they can watch, watch it, stream it. I don't know where the 30 hours came from that everybody was talking about the other day. Nine hours at the moment. I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, you don't have to wait at all for this. It just turns up on your phone, and it will turn up on your phone again on Monday. See you there.